0: we don't talk a lot about it we may not preach a lot about it but lately it's been on my heart and on my just just every time I kind of close my eyes and contemplate his word that just keeps coming back you either believe it or you don't I've just decided I believe it and I've seen it hallelujah do you have your Bibles hope you do Matthew chapter 11 starting in verse 7 is going to be where we kind of launch off from and um I've got a I've got a, a long title, so Brother Tim, if you think any way to shorten it up, you're more than welcome to do so, but here's my title. You ready? The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. How many of you have heard that verse? How many of you have heard, heard that? I've heard it many times. I've heard it preached a bunch of different ways, and God began to let that verse kind of roll like a like a pot uh, when, when I make gumbo you, you the, the best way to make gumbo is it's not a fast process you, you throw the ingredients in there and you let it simmer and the longer it simmers the better it is even if it's four or five six hours seven hours it let it simmer and sometimes when I read the Word of God I got to let that word simmer for a little bit I got to let it just keep keep percolating until I, I, I begin to see all of the nuances that God has in there. And so I want to preach to you about that. And it's found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 7. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, but I tell you more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence And the violent take it by force For all the prophets in the law prophesied unto John And if you're willing to accept it He is Elijah who is to come He who has ears to hear let him hear But what shall I compare this generation It's like children sitting in the marketplace And calling to their playmates saying We played the flute for you and you did not dance We sang a dirge and you did not mourn For John came neither eating nor drinking And they said he had a demon The son of man came eating and drinking and they say look at him a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners yet wisdom is justified by her why don't you ask the Lord to let that verse speak to us in the name of Jesus. Father, we know your word has all power. We know your word is alive, it's sharp, it's quick, and it moves into our heart, into the innermost parts of our being. I pray that as we hear the word and the word is expounded on and we, we, we allow the, the windows of the word to be open so that light can penetrate and show us what it means. God, would you let us grab hold of that, we pray, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. The beginning of Matthew chapter 11 kind of sets the stage. And here's what it is. Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples. He's going and preaching in their cities. And John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ. And he sent word by his disciples. John the Baptist who shows up on the scene after some 400 years of silence No prophet speaks No word of God is recorded as going forth Nothing uh, happens it's, it's quiet Between the Old Testament and the New Testament God almost shuts heaven up And says I'm going to kind of let you just Walk in the path you've chosen for yourself John the Baptist shows up He begins to preach He preaches you got to repent He preaches and he's no respecter of person. He preaches to the Pharisee, the Sadducee, the soldier, the tax collector, the sinner, the the so-called saint. He preaches to them all and the word of God begins to convict. There is a way being paved that's going to lead all the way to a cross and and it's going to enter into a a church age of the book of Acts. But John the Baptist preaches and he's done that. he was a rough man, he was perhaps not eloquent of speech, he didn't care whose feet he stepped on, he didn't care whether or not he pointed his finger at Herod or he pointed his finger at just some drunk on the street. He, he, was, he was clothed in rough clothing, there was nothing pretty about him, nothing comely about him. The Bible says he lived in the wilderness, ate honey and wild locusts, he had, had camel skin, rough spun clothing. It's hard for me to, to, to put myself in John the Baptist's shoes. One of the greatest revivals that Israel had ever seen took place under his ministry. The Jordan River, I mean, there was a line lined up as people began to get baptized for repentance in that Jordan River. And, and then one day, John the Baptist is saying, there's going to come one who's, I'm not worthy to even tie his shoes. Notice he didn't say I'm too good to tie a shoe. He says to tie this man's shoe is a greater honor than what I deserve. Jesus walks on the scene. John the Baptist says I got to decrease. He must increase. He baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River. The heavens open up. It looks like a dove comes down and the Spirit of Almighty God begins to speak and confirm that this ministry of Jesus Christ is about to start here on earth. And and, and then there's no more with John. Later you'll see... a. Uh, John the Baptist or some of his disciples They're baptizing on one side of the Jordan River And Jesus and his disciples are baptizing on the other And there's a little conflict perhaps That the disciples try to start And Jesus shuts it down But that's about all you hear of John the Baptist You find out in Matthew chapter 14 uh, That Herod took John and put him in prison Because uh, Herod loved Herod, Herodus, which was his brother's wife, and Herod began to commit incest, and 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 Herod uh, married, or, or at least had a relationship with his brother's wife, and John looked at Herod and said, you know what, that's wrong, it's sinful, it's not of God, it's unlawful for you to have it, And and Herod wanted to put him to death, and you know the story, finally it gets to where, in a party... Uh, Herod his daughter dances and pleases Herod and she, he says you can have whatever you want she asks her mom and her mom says give me the head of John the Baptist John the Baptist dies but before he dies before he's beheaded Matthew chapter 11 he's in prison and, and I, I know that he has the power of God behind him I understand all of that but I, I also know that he's human and he's sitting there with no future in front of him. He's sitting there with nothing. He it, it, how do you how do you measure the scope of a ministry? He doesn't have a church. He can't look at a big building and say, look what I built. He, he can't say, look how much money we raised in a building fund. He, he can't say, you know, I, 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 I'm about to turn this over to my my successor. He's he's sitting in prison and all he can say is, I baptized a lot of people, but they aren't even following me anymore. Back of his mind He's beginning to weigh it all Was it worth it because the devil knows exactly in the moments when you should be looking over your life and saying God has blessed me and God has helped me and, and, and I've done and I've walked with God and I've done what I should have and, and God called me for a purpose and I've fulfilled the purpose that God has and, and we should be able to look back and say I'm, I'm thankful that I, of what God's allowed me to do. The devil knows how to throw that doubt, fear and, and, and cynicism into our life. He sits there and so he says, you know what? Why don't you? There was a few of his disciples, perhaps, that would come and minister to him and talk to him there in prison. And and every time they'd come, they maybe John would say, "Hey, uh, what about what about Jesus?" Now you know John the Baptist and Jesus; they were they were cousins or or, or distant cousins. Their mothers were, were were cousins, and and so I mean, he knew Jesus, but now they're separated. Jesus is on another track, another ministry, and and John would say, "What is Jesus doing now?" I, what what's happening is he is, is, you know the, the one i said he's coming after me and they needed to follow is he still is he still working or is this the one to come or did i get it wrong and should i look for another and so these disciples of John go to Jesus and they look at Jesus and they say Jesus John says are you he or should we look for another Jesus answered them and said go tell John what you hear and what you see I'd like to just take a moment stop, get off my track for a second and just tell you that the greatest thing you could ever do for anybody is don't just answer and say yeah this is the God you need to serve because Jesus could have done that he could have just said yeah go tell him I'm he Jesus said no don't go tell him that go tell him what you're seeing in what you're hearing. And that same commandment ought to propel us. It it, it ought to be when you wake up in the morning that commandment rings in your ear you got to tell somebody today what you've seen and what you've heard That, that, that the blind are receiving their sight, that the lame are walking, that lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the poor have the good news preached to them and blessed is the one who's not offended by me and I promise you it may not be written in scripture but I promise you those disciples went back to John and they said this this is what we're seeing. This is what we're hearing. And John kind of brushed himself off and he said, then I, I can go now. I have done what I needed to do and I know that the Messiah is here. Later, John would lose his head for his preaching. He wasn't afraid to point his finger and say, sin is sin and, and you need to be saved. Jesus reassures John the Baptist that the truth is marching on but in all of that he, he takes it a step further Jesus does in the what we began to read and he begins to expound on this age long fact that there are forces from the very beginning of time that will continue until God stops time and they have one purpose can we stamp out the truth it, 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 it happened in heaven when a third of the angels following Lucifer tried to stamp out God and a coup began to happen. It, it's happened throughout the word of God. In fact, if you could read Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 26, it says, Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back. And they killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed great blasphemies. This... Uh, as I begin to read through the major and minor prophets, uh, there's a, I could spend a lot of time on this. I don't have it, but I, I could. Jeremiah 2 and 30, In vain have I struck your children. They took no correction. Your own sword devoured your prophets like a ravening lion. Second Chronicles 36 and 16, And they mocked the messengers of God, despised His words, scoffed at His prophets, until the wrath of God rose against His people. I, I'm amazed, you know, it's it got so bad in Israel's time that the world wasn't the only one trying to silence the pulpit. The Israelites did it. They got mad when the prophets said, you, you, you know, you're, 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 you're starting to follow those idols. You're starting to do what God commanded you not to do. And when they didn't like the preacher, they just killed him. Please don't do that. If you don't like what I'm preaching, just go to another church. Don't kill me. Just want to put that out there. But, but listen to me for just a second. The, the, the understanding is this: the Bible says, and he goes, What'd you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaking in the wind? Some scared little guy that, that couldn't hardly speak right, and you know, he was he was so timid. Did you go to see somebody in soft clothing, meaning, you know, nice, perfectly uh, tailored jackets and you know he had it all together no you went out to see a man that was in that was the unction of God was on him and in him and and, and he was preaching the kingdom of God and from that day to this day the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Now, the very first thing you have to understand when we begin to try to uh, 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 find that verse and say, God, what does that verse mean is exactly what it says, that the kingdom of heaven is under attack. Throughout everything that, that that we go through, there is this, this pervasion that, that weasels its way in. Don't tell me, preacher, how to live my life. Don't tell me, preacher, there's only one way to salvation. How dare you get up all in my face and tell me I ain't living right. The Bible is not absolute. The Bible's not black and white. The Bible, I mean, there's probably some mistakes in the Bible we can find and the kingdom of heaven. There is a war against the church. Paul said in the book of Ephesians, excuse me, book of Ephesians chapter 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes or wiles of the devil and then you probably know this verse for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places so therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand we uh, uh, understand you you, you need to comprehend this fact that there is an enemy that there is a spiritual war that is being waged and the enemy is attacking and the world is attacking the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven and I understand I know the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force all you had to do is start flipping through the pages of the Bible and find out how many preachers and how many prophets and how many of the church was in prison or killed for Christ's sake. Now, honestly, I have never been persecuted for my belief. I've been made fun of a few times. I've had people kind of look at me funny, but Brother Cozart, I've never been persecuted. No one's ever, I mean, they they may say, I don't like what you're preaching, but no one's ever told me, "Uh, Brandon, if you preach, we're just going to go behead you. I've never had to face that. But that doesn't mean persecution of the church is not here. You can go through some other countries, and you can find that there are those that do have to preach. By threat of death They do have to have underground churches They do have to make sure That they walk carefully As they try to spread the gospel And the church has learned to withstand For millennia The church has stood the test of time And the onslaught of history The waves have vehemently beat Against the foundation of the church But I am so thankful today To stand here and tell you The church still stands The kingdom of God still stands The truth still stands But here's something that I kind of take issue with In in reading and and understanding the word of God Simply in that that light We begin to look at the church More as a defensive bulwark, bulwark That just is standing to endure and that the church is good, and I'm glad we're there. And, and it's, a, it's a strong tower that I can run into, and I'm saved. And the world is dark, and the world is scary, and the world is not a place I, I want to be. But I can go in the church, and I can hunker down. And that bunker mentality, it's, and I don't know if you kids do this anymore at your schools, but you know, when I was in school, we had tornado drills, and you just went out in the hallway, and you stuck your head between your legs, and you held on and hoped you didn't go blow away. Then we had the earthquake scare. So then we had to sit under our desks as if that was going to help us in an earthquake. And then you fly airplanes and it says if you're going to crash, all you got to do is put your head between your knees and miraculously you're going to survive the crash. It's defensive mentality. Just hold on and endure. But I, I, I don't believe that that's the only reason that verse is in the Bible to tell you that the church is just going to stand. I'm thankful for the, 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 the nature of the church that can withstand the attack of the enemy. But as I begin to pray, and I, and I did, I, I, I said, God, I know it's more than just there's a violent attack against the church. And so the second aspect of that sermon, if the first one is the kingdom suffereth violence, those that are against the kingdom of God, there is a second part of that that says the kingdom suffereth violence but it's those that are for the kingdom of God one of the best ways that you can understand the word of God is to find the places, especially when you have the gospels you've got four gospels and and, and invariably some of those four will, will retain the same, or contain rather the same story if you want to know about the kings of, of Israel, you've got First and Second Samuel, you've got 1 and 2 Kings, and you've got 1 and 2 Chronicles. And if you'll study the history in all of those, you will find similarities and you will find some things you can kind of begin to put the pieces together. The book of Luke does not flesh out the story quite the way that Matthew did. But I would invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to Luke chapter 16 and verse 16. This is, and I hope you can hear and understand the same words that that were spoken, but listen to how Luke said it went down. I will read the King James first, and then I'm going to read my English standard. The law and the prophets were unto John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. It's easier for heaven and earth to pass than, to, for, for, than one tittle of the law to fail. The English Standard Version says it this way. The law and the prophets were unto John. Since then the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. I want to read to you the other side of the equation of the kingdom of God suffer violence and the violent take it by force. It's this, that from the time that John the Baptist began to preach about God's kingdom to that present time that we read in Matthew and even into the present time right now. That the kingdom of heaven, the gospel, the ministry of the gospel, the preaching of John, and then the preaching of Jesus Christ, and then the preaching of the disciples and the apostles in the book of Acts, and the preaching and the, and, and, and that, that is doing going now suffer violence. You read that violence, it means to come with force and with power upon the souls of men. When you begin to look at how the language of that is written and you begin to extrapolate the things there it means that the kingdom of heaven is not some little lay me down to sleep prayer that you pray it's not some limp wristed weak kneed slack jawed thing that you can preach across a cute little pulpit but when somebody begins to preach about the kingdom of God there is a demonstration of spirit there is a demonstration of power. It takes a dead man, a man that is dead in sin and trespasses and when the gospel of God begins to preach, it's more than just Jesus walking to the widow of Nain's son and saying, rise and walk. But instead he found Brandon Buford dead in his sin and trespasses and when the word of God began to preach, when the word of God went, there was something that moved in me. There was a quickening that took place. I, I know He opened blinded eyes and deaf ears, but cannot tell you He did so much more than the physical healing. He took this old blinded eye that was blind to the things of God, and He let me see what He sees. He took this old heart that was that was stony and and rebellious in nature against it, and He melted my heart of stone. He took me, an enemy of God, an enemy of the cross, an enemy of righteousness, and he made me a friend of God. He set at liberty those that were slaves to their own corruption. This word, this kingdom of God, it is the power of God unto salvation. I want you to understand, yes, there is a battle against the kingdom. Yes, there is an attack against it. We understand that, that, that the, the, the law of the flesh and the law of the spirit are constantly warring. Yes, hell wars against heaven. Yes, Satan wars against Jesus. Yes, our flesh wars against the spirit inside of us. But can I tell you, that is not the, the battle you need to focus on. I, I'm not asking anybody, I don't want anybody to just say, Well, I got the armor of God. I'm gonna just stand right here. Having done all to do, I'm gonna stand, and maybe I'll make it through. No. My Bible says I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. The violent, take it by force. That that verse, violent, or, or that that phrase, the violent, take it by force. It, it, it means to, to press until you can't press any more one of the word pictures i want you to grab hold of cuz i'm going to i'm gonna, i'm going to take off here in a moment one of the word pictures i want you to grab hold of is the the siege uh, in, in, in Jesus' time, there were no F 18 Hornets. There was no Abrams tanks. There, there was no, you know, big old towed guns that can shoot mortar rounds a hundred something miles. You wanted to take a city, you just got more people than you could, and you just kept throwing what you could at that city. You'd build dirt works to try to go up and go over the walls. You'd build catapults that would throw stones and and flaming balls of, uh, uh, of, of asphalt or, or tar that. That they could set on fire and they would take trebuchets that could try to fling a rock there and, and the siege was can we wear down the defenses and, and the uh, when you read the the Old Testament you read some of the sieges that happened the siege of Jericho you can read some of the sieges that happened in Jerusalem and they would shut the city up no one could go in no one could come out and daily it was an onslaught what are we throwing at the city we're gonna keep beating the walls we're gonna try to tunnel under the walls can I tell you that in the kingdom of God there is some that have just decided I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get a hold of this kingdom of God I'm gonna oppress to press if I have. I might, it might be an intruder. See, the, the Jews, they kind of like the idea that they were it. And they got highly offended that there were some Gentiles and some publicans And some harlots and some sinners and and, and people like Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. And it really bothered them that Jesus would talk to the woman at the well that was a Samaritan woman, but they got something inside of them that said, No matter what it takes, I hunger and I thirst for righteousness. There were Samaritans and Gentiles who had no place in God's chosen people, but they forced their way into the presence of God. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence. It comes with force With power upon the souls of men And the violent take it by force Or they press until they get through You find story after story of those that pressed their way into the presence of God. They forced their way into the presence of Jesus. They were not so easily turned aside. They would fight their way into a miracle. They would push their way through a crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. They would shout their full head off trying to get Jesus' attention. Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And somebody would say, hush, you old blind man, don't bother Jesus. But the more they tried to push down, the more they tried to erect the walls, the more you begin to shout, the more the press happened, all of it. I'm pressing, I'm running, I want in that kingdom of God. I will do whatever it takes. Law of the prophets were until John since the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. It's not that God doesn't want you there. It's God wants to see how much do you want it. God is not interested. He's interested in, in a freedom of, 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 of mercy. He the, the, the fact that he died on the cross meant he paid the price for you but he'd like to see do you want it. It's like baking you the best cake Sister Harpole can possibly bake. And she bakes it and she goes through all that trouble to do it. And then you sit there and go, well, are you going to feed it to me? No, she did the hard work. It's right here. Don't you wish it was? (laughs) It's right here. Just come and get it. The Lord's looking for someone that's willing to press their way into it. That says, "I, I want it more than anything in this world. We heard the song and I'm gonna switch gears just a little bit, but I want you to understand that press. I want you to see that 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 push through, that the 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 violent take it by force. We use that word violent too much in a negative term, and somebody says, I don't want to be violent. Well, I don't mean that you gotta be mean, but you gotta want it. You gotta be willing to take it. You gotta be willing to press through. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And this is why I, I prefaced. My, my remarks at the beginning that the, the song that Sister Hannah Morgan sang you had that phrase in there the strongholds because 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds it's, it, it's though we walk in the flesh we're not waging war according to the flesh the English standard says the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds Friday night I was pl- uh, privileged to preach a, a anniversary service for the, the church there in Cuba uh, uh, Anointed Faith Tabernacle Brother Chris Dew pastors at church They started it seven years ago And and, and a year ago they were able to purchase uh, uh, their own building And it's a beautiful building that they were able to purchase And they, they, they've been able to paint it It looks gorgeous And and they're excited about where God has taken them And, and I preached a message that I preached here Called the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And and I I uh, uh, be, began to, to to look that sermon and look those verses, and God just began to speak to me. Because it was in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 where he said, I tell you, Peter, or, or I, I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, and at the risk of re-preaching a part of a sermon I've already preached before Again, too many times we look at the gates of hell Shall not prevail against us As the gates are attacking the church And, and the world is coming against the church There's an onslaught of the church But in reality, this is the thing I've never had a gate attack me I've never been walking, uh, you know, out And, and, and a gate just bum-rushed me And knock me off my feet and stand over me and pummel me with the handle. It just has never happened. I've ran into a few of them, but that's my fault. I've uh, I've tried to jump over a few gates and didn't jump high enough, and that was funny. But gates are not an offensive weapon. Gates have two purposes. Keep somebody out or keep something in. And I begin to think about that. The gates are protecting what is inside. The enemy has stolen some things in your life. They've laid hold on some things that are ours. And it has imprisoned them and trapped them inside the gates. But the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I began to think about uh, Jericho. Bible says... When the children of Israel came to Jericho It says now Jericho was straightly shut up No one went out And no one came in I believe it says for seven days Straightly shut up And those Israelites were there And there, the, the Jerichoheans, Because that's the only way I know how you describe those who live in Jericho I don't know if that's a right word or not But the Jerichoheans, They were safe within their walls. Uh, history tells us that the walls were so thick you could race a chariot around the top. There were some pretty thick walls. Uh, some commentators and some archaeologists say that Jericho up until that moment had never been conquered. It was a city that was too strong. And so the people of Jericho got by in their walls and they said as long as we stay here, we're okay. Because watch this. The children of Israel did not have a chance of getting inside those walls on their own. And the the, the the people of Jericho were content to sit there. They weren't going to win any wars. They, they weren't going to destroy any Israelites, but they were safe behind their walls. And I kind of think their philosophy was this. Here's what we'll do. We'll let Israel do whatever they think they can do Israel didn't have a lot of siege equipment. They'd been in the wilderness. They didn't have catapults and trebuchets. And they, they didn't even, I mean, God had, had wrought some incredible miracles, but they were not a well-trained army. They didn't have uh, enough weapons to do what they needed to do in the flesh. And, and Jericho said, we'll just stay here until Israel gets tired of us. And then Israel will leave and go, and then we can go and defeat them on our terms. We'll meet them on the field of battle where we can take care of them and we'll just let them exhaust themselves against this wall. Our wall will protect us. And so it is in life that that gate... That hell says, I, I, I'm i going to just hide here in the gate. I, I, I've i tried some, some brazen attacks against God. I've tried some brazen attacks against the church and it didn't work. So here's what we'll do. We'll just build up the gates. And I'm convinced that hell sits like on a Sunday morning as we had this morning. And hell says, I wonder exactly what that church is up to. Brother Jerry Dean, a few weeks ago at men's conference, made this this statement, and I wrote it down, and it just, it, it's been one that I can't get out of my head. He said this He said, Prayer is not the preparation for the battle, prayer is the battle too many times we pray to get ready to fight when in reality prayer is how you fight. Can I just tell you today for just a moment that hell is bunkered down. That hell is, is behind its, its its walls and it's watched Lighthouse Church pray. It's watched Lighthouse Church fast. It's seen our young people get on fire for God. It's seen our children get a hold of something and that ch- the, those siege equipment that catapult and that trebuchet and that battering ram has been knocking at hell's door and knocking at hell's gate, and they're sitting there. Dust keeps falling down on the table and the lights are shaking every time we get together for church and pieces of hell's wall and gates begin to crumble and hell is on the defensive but the Bible tells me this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The king of heaven suffers violence but the violent take it by force. It was that Jericho They were there, its walls held that city safe Until God's people came God said here's what I want you to do I'm not going to have you fight a conventional war Because we're not going to do this The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly But I promise you the weapons of our warfare are mighty The pulling down of strongholds So Israel, why don't you just gather your choir and Gather the priests And just start marching first time they marched around and uh, Jericho laughed they'd never seen warfare like that go ahead and tire yourself out because ain't nothing gonna happen the second day came third day came I kinda think Jericho got tired of watching and maybe by the fourth or fifth day there wasn't even anybody really up on the walls watching the spectacle the sixth day came even the seventh day came and then on the seventh day instead of marching once they marched six times Around and nothing ever happened, but I'm telling you today that part of that kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent take it by force. That means there was a press. I'm not stopping until something happens. I'm not stopping until something moves. And the Lord has given me very clear instruction: keep going, keep pressing, keep moving, keep doing it. God is gonna provide the miracle, and on that seventh go around, something changed. They got to the end of that march, and Joshua said, "All right, now." our time, shout with the voice of triumph, give God the praise and as they lifted their voice, those walls began to shake and the walls fell and their weapons were mighty to the pulling down of strongholds I'm here today to tell somebody that this church is not a defensive church I have not existed or lived my life just to say as long as I can be here I'll be okay, I'll just hold on to the end the old song we used to sing, and while I guess there's some truth in it, Sister Stacy, I am determined to hold on to the end. And, and, and while I know it, it's good, and I don't mean to make fun of it completely, but, but I'm doing more than just holding on to the end. I'm doing more than just biding my time and hoping, Oh, come quickly, God, because if you wait any longer, I might fall. I might falter. I might backslide. So come now while I'm saved. It's not the mentality you ought to have. If that was the mentality that worked, I'd baptize you and then I'd knock you over the head and drown you or something. That way I know you'd go to heaven. Say, Lord, I just baptized him. Take him now, because if you wait too long, he'll, he'll backslide again. No, that's not, that's not how it works. I'm pressing i'm pushing i'm moving i'm doing everything i can i'm saying lord it's not enough that hell is attacking the church but i'm putting on some war clothes i've got my armor on yeah to protect me but i got a sword of the spirit ready to go and i am doing everything i can to say i'm going to press i'm going to move the kingdom of heaven is on an offensive it's not on a defensive david came back from a, a, a sore and he, he, had, he had his men with him and they get back to their camp and the enemy had come and while they were away and kidnapped, stole everything they had from, the, from their belongings to their livestock to their families to their wives and David knew he was, he was gone and so it is that David he grabbed the ephod and he put it around him and he fell on his face and he said God what do I do? The enemies attack me. What am I supposed to do? And it was one word that kind of came back. And then God clarified it. But one word. He said, pursue. Press. Go. Move. Don't just sit back and say, well, the devil stole something from me. I'm going to just sit here. I'm going to be defensive. Maybe he won't steal anything else. No. He said, your offense is greater than the enemy's gates. The kingdom of heaven suffer the violent, but it's the violent that take it by force it's those that are willing to press it's those that are willing to say I'm I'm determined not to just hold on but I'm going to claim what God has given me and I'm going to fight the battle and the weapons that we use are not carnal but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds because it's not enough that the world wages the battle against God but can I tell you that battle goes both ways And hell is far more worried about a church on the offensive than he is about a church on the defensive. It petrifies him that somebody would be willing to say, God, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to get prepared and I'm going to take the battle to where they are. The spiritual warfare and... A lot of times we we have a, a very mystical view of spiritual warfare, but let me just tell you what spiritual warfare is. Spiritual warfare is walking in the enemy's territory, and saying this doesn't belong to you anymore. This is God's territory. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and 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 spirits and spiritual wickedness in high places. And I believe that that there's there's uh, places in this town and in O'Fallon and in these areas where hell says, I, I don't want you messing with my territory. I'm kind of content with all these that are, that are lost and going to hell. And so Lighthouse, as long as you stay in your walls, I'll be okay. Just get that siege mentality going on. But please, whatever you do, don't walk out of those walls and say, devil, we're going to take the fight to your turf. There's a lost and dying world and I'm not about to let it go without a fight and so I start praying God everywhere my feet walks everywhere my car drives everywhere I go Lord I've started praying over communities I've started praying over neighborhoods I've started praying over school districts I've started praying over church, churches and praying over nursing homes and, 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 and senior housing I've started praying over that saying God I know there's things that the devil is bound and kept behind that but Lord you're about to loose it and let it go because God you're taking this church on an upward journey I want you to stand with me today would you do that hallelujah I want you to begin to lift your hands and I want you to begin to lift your voice and say God I I don't want to just be defensive I don't want to just hunker down I don't want to just try to absorb the attacks of this world and the flesh and my enemy but God I want to be able to say Lord I'm putting on your armor and I'm going to walk boldly out there and say the weapons that you have devil are not enough Lord I want to be the David that walks out on the battlefield to a Goliath and says you may do whatever you want to do Goliath but I've got God on my side and the God of my my God is greater than anything you can throw at me anything you can do I may only have a little sling and a few rocks but I know in whom I have believed he's on my side the kingdom of heaven suffered violence but the violent take it by force they press they push. They move. We understand that every time you pray, there's a move of God that takes place. There's an earthquake. There's a shaking going on. The Bible says on that day at Pentecost when they were praying, the whole house was shaken. Why? Because there is power in our worship. I wonder if you could lift your hands as they begin to sing. I want you to think about some things the enemy has put behind that gate. Some things that he's stolen from you, some things that 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 you don't think you'll ever have that victory over. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a proclivity to sin.